0: You are listening to I Doubt It with me, your host, Jesse Dahlman, a podcast dedicated to free-thinking discussion, ideas, skepticism, but most importantly, a good time. Here we are. Right where you left us, episode 44 of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I am your host, Jesse Dollamore, and sitting across from me with no adjective or adverb in sight for me to express about her.
1: <laughs> I was not paying attention to anything you were saying, so what? It's
0: probably good that you didn't. Oh, okay. Is Brittany Page. Hi. <laughs> That was a fucking colossal train wreck.
1: Yeah, I wasn't paying attention to no, so I'm sure it was.
0: <laughs> Ooh, that was good. So, like I said, episode 44 of I Doubt It with Dollamore. Thank you very much for joining us, for tuning in to get your twice-weekly dose of news. News. And, of course, <laughs> ridiculous comment. A lot going on. A lot.
1: Nah, not really.
0: Actually, that is true. Not a lot at yeah, all. not. A lot of the, the normal bullshit that you hear on the news, yeah. it's being dominated by one thing, and that's the, the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, which we will get to. Yes. But before we do, Brittany and I have seen two movies recently. And You
1: were going to say two good movies, but then you realized you couldn't, right? Yeah, I
0: don't know. Well, our movie experiences were decent. There was uh, only one lady. Yeah. Well, well, I'll just tell you what. Here, We recently saw Boyhood. Yep. And Guardians of the Galaxy. Yes. And there will be no spoilers whatsoever. None. Following. We, we don't play that game. So, yeah, I'm a fucking ardent pro- uh, opponent <laughs> to spoilers of any type. Unless... You think a spoiler is telling you that Boyhood was one of the worst pieces of shit you've ever seen? <laughs> if that's a spoiler then yes, there will be spoilers because it was fucking terrible. Yeah, it was not good. And it's a lot of people are very, I guess they try to be all artsy and introspective and oh, I really I really like the their take on Hubble dog cuz it really brought me back to my childhood and I was able to reflect upon the blah blah blah. I'm not I guess one of those guys. I'm looking for conflict. Yeah. I'm looking for a plot. I'm looking for some kind of calamity that gets resolved. Yeah. Like in every other fucking good movie. I'm here. I'm this type of moviegoer. I'm sitting there trying to noodle what's going to happen and how they're going to get out of this precarious fix that they're in.
1: That is definitely how you watch movies.
0: Yeah. Well,. That's how everyone should watch movies is, mm, how is he going to get out of this? He's in a pickle. How, what's going to happen? And it's true. Unless my tr- talk track in my own head while watching the movie is, huh, I wonder what, what they're going to order at this restaurant to eat. Or, hmm, I wonder what they're going to buy at the grocery store. Yeah. There's no fucking conflict to figure out.
1: Yeah, it's interesting because I was hoping that it would bring me back to my childhood, you know, the happy parts of it. And um <laughs> And
0: that wasn't pause for effect. That was me drinking water. <laughs>
1: yeah, I was waiting for your laugh. Um <laughs> I was hoping it would be, you know, nostalgic for me. Watching it would bring me back, remind me of certain yeah. things. And there was nothing about it that was really endearing or
0: yeah. It's interesting how they did it, that it, it, it is filmed over the course of 12 years with the same actors. Yeah, so it's so,
1: cute to watch the little boy grow up.
0: Absolutely. So that part of it is is groundbreaking. Yeah. And very cool.
1: But with 169 reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, uh, what's it have? A 99 critic score, 99%. Uh, and 91% of users. So we are clearly in the complete minority. Yeah.
0: Well, that's happened before. Yeah. We, we've we seen, there were movies like The Master uh, with Philip Seymour Hoffman and Walking Phoenix. Maybe it, it, it's for Did we for walk sure, out or did we make no, it to we, the we end? No, we stayed till the end. Possibly in the top five of worst movies ever fucking made. I don't even Terrible. remember how
1: it ends now because yeah, I, I, don't I, I imagined us walking out, so I think I've blocked out well, the end. Well, I
0: remember being pissed off because several people did walk out in the middle, and I remember being very envious. Oh, <laughs> why didn't we leave? Yeah, we so. should have. <laughs> but um, Tree of Life with Sean Penn and Brad Pitt. I didn't see it. Possibly the worst piece of shit ever made.
1: Noted. And this
0: is not a movie podcast, obviously, for those of you who do listen to the show, and we're not going to make it that, but I would I would challenge you to go out and see Boyhood, because some of you, uh, most of you, are probably going to love it, but I want to know why. Yeah. And I, I want to ask people who aren't artsy-fartsy, oh, it's so cool. I, I don't want that type.
1: Trying to be artsy-fartsy is probably yeah. what you mean to say. I want
0: someone who I can honestly judge their opinion. Like... Like my best friend Brett, I, I Brett doesn't want to go see it now because I've I've shit on the movie so much.
1: That's a bummer. And
0: I told him today, I said, "No, no, you have to go see it now because I need an honest perspective." Yeah, because he's not up his own ass with how creative and mm, just so blah, blah, blah. he's not one of those guys. Yeah, so he's he's, an, he's a he's a he's a, a definitely a critic and understand what makes a good movie, but he. He'll shoot me straight. Well, and
1: the thing is, people might think I'm also clouded by you, but you were not happy with this movie within the first, like, 20 minutes. Yeah. And I was still trying to be upbeat. Like, you would say something to me negative, and I would just brush you off. Like, yeah, shut up. And then I'd get back into the movie, like, oh, it's kind of funny here. And yeah, he's cute, and I'm trying to, you know, be happy about it. (laughs) And then by, like, 45 minutes, I was asking myself where it's going. I couldn't believe it was going to be another two hours.
0: Well, you... We were about—I don't want to give percentages, but here I am giving percentages. We were—we were over halfway done with the movie. I, we'll just say that. And you turned—you turned to me and you said, "Are you wanting to go?" I said, "No, no." You said, "Well, maybe it's—you know—maybe it's, you know, it's going to get better." <laughs> and I—I I was talking to Brett about this same thing today. That a movie once you're at that point, it never ever all of a sudden turns around and gets better. Yeah. It's going to stay just as shitty as it's been. And sometimes it'll get fucking worse. Yeah. Because the director loses focus or whatever. But this case, it didn't get better. So go it, see it, it. didn't get worse, though. No, it didn't get worse. It yeah. stayed the same shittiness, yeah. plateau of <laughs> it shit, that it had been the whole time. <laughs> it did. So I, I encourage everybody to go watch it. And I want to hear from you. Or if you have seen it, let us know. Call in. 657-464-7609 or text us briefly, whatever. Message us on the Facebook page, whatever. Just tell
1: us we're dumb and not artsy enough. We don't get it. Yeah,
0: I'm apparently not up my own ass enough. Yeah. So, and, and, and that movie experience wasn't ruined by anybody, except there was an old lady who wouldn't shut her fucking mouth. There
1: were two old ladies. They were like BFFs and they were talking throughout the entire thing.
0: There's one incident, one scene in the movie where something's going on and the lady's like, ah, call
2: the cops. Yeah. Call the police.
1: It reminded <laughs> me of uh, Louis C.K., the Louis C.K. bit where they're at the bank waiting in line and the old lady says something about oh, how there's right. a long line. He's like, oh, you.
0: Oh, I tell you what. We'll play it.
1: Yeah.
2: I don't know. I've I've started started to kind of hate people, and it's not because I have anything against them. It's just I I, I enjoy it. It's just recreation. (laughs) Like, you know when you're at the bank and you got nothing to do while you're waiting in line, so you just pick people to hate while you're waiting? You just look at someone and form an opinion with no information. And it's never positive. Who fucking wastes their time? I bet he's a hard worker. Who thinks about that shit? Skip over those people. Then you find a guy, oh, look at his shoes, what a fucking asshole, oh, look at that piece of shit, hope he dies today, oh, God, I hate him, I hate him. You watch all the shit, yeah, fill it out, you fuck face, fill it out, yeah, you filled it out, I knew it, you suck. He's just standing there, he has no idea you're just boiling with hate, you know? I feel people hate me sometimes, you know, like, uh. I was at the post office and I'm at the line, you know, it's one of those things where there's a long line and one window open. So everyone's just like, ah, everyone's mad. But when you're in the line, you're in the hate group. You get to be part of the group and you're all looking at each other going, like a silent movie of impatient people, you know, Then there's always one person who breaks the silence, somebody who has an idea, you know, like, they should open another window. (laughs) And everybody's like, yeah, I know, I don't even know, I don't even know how to do it. (laughs) Then there's always an old lady who has a story. I was here on Wednesday, and there was also a line like this. (laughs) Holy shit, really? Oh, my God, you fucking old lady. That's amazing.
1: (laughs) There it is. That's exactly how I felt.
0: Yeah, that's, well, it's easy to feel that way sometimes. Okay, we're not going to drag this the the opening segment of the show out too long, but we also saw Guardians of the Galaxy, other than the guy who apparently had his candy wrapped in seven layers of cellophane behind us. (laughs)
1: <laughs> oh yeah
0: um great audience but also great movie
1: yeah it was really good very
0: funny and not it's just funny enough without being like ah fuck we get it you're it's a funny movie you know which i think sometimes those superhero movies do too much
1: yeah well you're a hater so
0: i definitely definitely a hater definitely yeah so those are two movies go see them and, and I, I got
1: to snoop a little bit while we were in the Guardians of the Galaxy oh, I, movie.
0: <clears throat> I almost forgot. Brittany has a habit, and I'm going to call it a habit, and not a compulsion or an addiction or some other personality disorder. Just but
1: insatiable curiosity is probably what it <laughs> okay. is.
0: Okay, that's a positive word about to
1: everything.
0: It. A guy's phone, <laughs> after or before the movie was on in front of us. After, and it lit up, and Brittany. Ever so slightly leans forward (laughs) and read some of the odd texts that he was being, he was receiving. Well,
1: I only read one and it was something about someone getting some quote, daddy dick. And so I decided to stop after that because I realized these are probably some private conversations (laughs) that are going on. And
0: my question would be, uh, when has that ever stopped you?
1: Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Anyway, I just get curious.
0: Brittany, well, see, what's odd about this is Brittany is a snoop of all snoops, but she shits on me when I eavesdrop on people's conversations in restaurants or in line. Which you do
1: a lot. I do all
0: the time. So it's
1: basically the same thing.
0: Yeah, but I'm a lover of the human experience. So
1: am I. I'm, no. like, I'm all about the psychology. <laughs> no. I'm just trying to make sure that guy's okay.
0: You're wanting to be deep inside that guy's biz. No, I just—I'm just a lover of I'm a people watching.
1: I just want to make sure he's happy. Yeah, I was trying it. to analyze his situation.
0: Mm-hmm. And what? What if you had determined he wasn't happy? What would you do to make him happy?
1: I would have just went about my day.
0: That's not making him happy. <laughs> You're not making sure he's happy.
1: Yeah, I would have, you know, given him my card or something.
0: <laughs> All right. Okay. Now back to the other issue that I brought up at the beginning. That we, I didn't, I said we would talk later. Uh, I'm sure people in the audience who listen regularly have noticed that we have not talked about the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. And there's a reason for that. Uh, One, well, one, I, I, I think it goes unsaid that I am not afraid of conflict. And I am not afraid of controversy. So it's not that I don't want to pick a side. Ultimately, I'll just get it out there, there is no winning side. There's no right choice. It's definitely true. Both sides are completely and utterly fucked. Without equivocation, there isn't a moral side to this issue.
1: That's one way to put it.
0: The other issue is, well, and so as as part of that, um, because there's no right side, if I was to... Look, if, if someone put a gun to my head and said, pick a side, who are you going to be for, I would pick, pick Israel.
1: I think most people would, right? there are,
0: Well, no, I don't think so. I think a lot of people are up their own ass with how righteous and wonderful they are about human rights. And, you know, the, the Israelis are doing something relatively terrible to the Palestinians. They box them into this little tiny area and they control their movements and it's they, they don't treat them well. It From a human rights standpoint, it's it's not good.
1: Well, and there was an interesting uh, Pew Research study where they asked the different religions who they believe, um, like which side they're on essentially. Mm-hmm. And 82% of white evangelicals believe that God gave the land of Israel to the Jewish people compared mm. with only 40% of American
0: Jews. It's interesting because I don't know why American Jews would not think that because Exodus, coincidentally enough, I know the scripture. (laughs) Uh, Exodus 23, 31 and 32 says, I will establish your borders from the Red Sea to the Mediterranean Sea and from the deserts of the Euphrates River. I will give into your hands the people who live in the land and you will drive them out before you. Do not make a covenant with them or with their gods.
1: See, this is why there's no solution here.
0: There's no fucking solution. This isn't a political issue.
1: Not at all. It is a
0: land issue, but it's a land issue that's rooted in thousands of years, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years based on these scriptures. And there's also a scripture in the Quran, Quran uh, uh, 551, Oh, you who have believed, do not take the Jew and the Christian as allies. They are Allies of one another, and whoever is an ally to them among you, then indeed he is one of them, indeed, Allah guides not the wrongdoing people so wow, they, so
1: the Jews and the Christians are in cahoots, like this Pew research study suggests that's
0: right, that's right. apparently uh, the the prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him uh, yes. he he knew early on yeah when he got the revelation and you know, the, the illiterate Muhammad when he wrote the scriptures. Yeah, well, the Quran.
1: I mean, revelations, that's all it is, right?
0: What a wonderful thing. Yeah. So that is why we haven't talked about it because it's a no fucking win.
1: Well, it's just so convoluted and there's so many angles and it's such a hot button issue. There's people that feel so strongly about this, which is so, you know, I guess it makes sense because there are so many people dying and everything and... It just seems weird to pick a side, though, because there's, there's so much carnage going on, and it's just...
0: Well, it's not your typical kind of war, because it's not... Well, it, it, look, it's not, I hate to go back to like a World War II kind of analogy and bring up Hitler, but it was, it was pretty easy to pick sides in 1945, in 1939. We knew who was bad and who was good. But in this, your good guys are doing bad shit, if your good guys are Israel. It's not as easy as just oh that's bad this is good. Yeah. But the the on on the Hamas side of things they they're doing terrible shit too. Yeah. Firing rockets, storing their missiles in UN and schools and hospitals. That's terrible shit. And
1: launching their rockets from residential areas where there's apartments near it and everything.
0: Well, what's great about that is they're being caught on video now. Yeah. There's the Indian an Indian uh news source that has them on video. And also a French TV station just released footage of them doing the same kind of shit. So their goose is cooked relative to being able to deny that anymore. Yeah. But you know, Israel, they are, they're not, look, neither side, neither side. Thank God I don't live in a world where I have to have a gun put to my head and choose. Yeah. Because fuck both of them. (laughs) Sincerely.
1: So no sides for Jesse. No
0: sides at all. They're both fucked, and that's the wonderful thing about being a free thinking human being. Just because there's two sides to pick doesn't mean that one of the sides has to be picked.
1: Exactly. It's
0: yeah. I'm not going to choose either. They're both assholes.
1: Yeah, like Republicans and Democrats. That's
0: exactly. That is exactly right. Yeah. Ugh. So good. So um let's follow up on, I want to skip that, but let's, I'm pointing at our rundown board as I'm talking to Brittany. Uh, let's skip that and let's talk about Richard Dawkins. And he is still doing damage control and digging his fucking hole even deeper than he did before.
1: Yeah, he wrote a another blog and it's very very long and
0: again in reference to his his mild pedophilia And his date rape versus knife point rape. Yes. All those tweets. Yeah. If you're curious about it, listen to the last episode.
1: Yeah. And I'll post this latest blog on the Facebook and the Twitter page. So if you want to go read it for yourself, you can. Like I said, it's very long. I'll just summarize it for you. He says that no conversation should be off limits and that he's very surprised by the hostility that he's received because all he's trying to do is be a rational thinker. Mm -hmm. And that all he wants to advocate is rational thinking and open conversation so
0: but he did open a conversation that's what's happening exactly. we are having a conversation about he's fucking wrong
1: exactly That's <laughs> that's the whole issue right he wants to have conversations with religious people and they say he's wrong he says they're wrong this is how this is working as well people are saying he's wrong he's saying we're wrong this is a conversation. That's
0: exactly what it is.
1: And he's concerned that it's getting hostile. I've seen tweets from Richard Dawkins where he tells people they're ignorant, they're stupid, and he he insults them.
0: Well, He, in those tweets, was insulting people when he says, go away and don't come back until you can think.
1: Yeah, he's just a smug prick. So yes. he's treating people the way that he doesn't want to be treated. Exactly. Which is dumb. So there was one part of this blog that I really wanted to read for everybody because I have a huge problem with it. And I think Jesse D. will as well. Let's hear it. He says, do we really want our courts to impose a single mandatory sentence, a life sentence perhaps, for all rapes regardless to all rapes? From getting a woman drunk and taking advantage at one end of the spectrum to holding a knife to her throat in a dark alley at the other, do we really want our judges to ignore such distinctions when they pass sentence? I don't, and I don't think any reasonable person would if they thought it through. And yet, that would seem to be the message of the agonizingly passionate tweets that I have been reading. The message seems to be no. There is no spectrum. You are wicked, evil, a monster, to even ask whether there might be a spectrum. Okay, so the main issue that I have... (laughs)
0: I got stuff too. Go ahead.
1: ...is where he says... He's again giving a spectrum of rapes that there shouldn't be an equal sentence for these two type of rapes. Getting a woman drunk and taking advantage of her—you okay. can just replace taking advantage with raping. That's her. exactly
0: right. He—he's not—he's not being intellectually honest.
1: Yeah, it's completely absurd.
0: It's <laughs> again, he's using words. Oh, taking advantage of her. That, taking advantage of her is. You owe her $7.50 change and you only give her 5 bucks. Yeah. That's taking advantage of someone. <laughs> yeah. Inserting your penis into another human being against their will is called fucking rape, dumbass Dawkins.
1: Yeah, well, and getting her drunk and then when she's drunk yes. raping her, Absolutely. I mean that's you're raping somebody. There's no spectrum. There's no spectrum. I just don't understand why he continues down this line of thinking.
0: That that rape should be dealt with like the other rape. Maybe the other rape, it involves also brutal physical assault. So that gets tacked on yeah. to the rape charge. Yeah. But it's a separate charge that's yeah. added to.
1: Yeah, because rape is the crime.
0: Rape is the crime.
1: And that's what we're talking about is rape. That's right. Not taking advantage. Don't use that phrase. Yeah. It's rape.
0: Dumbass Dawkins.
1: Why is he being such he's a turd? He's
0: continuing to dig his fucking hole. Yeah. Ugh.
1: And then I don't think he's wicked, evil, a monster. I don't think he's those things for asking these questions. I just think he's dumb.
0: Well, and I say dumbass Dawkins. Obviously, he's not, I don't believe him to be a dumbass. I believe he is uber prideful. And he's, he's oh, caught that's now. For sure. I think that's what it is. He's so prideful and he can't just admit, ah, fuck you guys. Listen, at heart, I'm a good guy. I'm a nice guy. I just, yeah, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of fucked up. I just say
1: dumb stuff a lot.
0: I, I just went off half cocked on Twitter. You guys have done it too. <laughs> That's what he needs to do.
1: That's for sure what he needs to do. And
0: he's not going to do that. I don't
1: well, think one, so. Well, one,
0: because he has a British accent.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. What accent were you doing? I don't know. <laughs> I'm kind of disturbed by that. He's probably offended by that right now.
0: Uh, he probably is. So if you have something to add to that story and you have uh, comments related to loving him, we would love to hear that. But also hating on him, we would love that. 657-464-7609. Text or call. And And I also want to add, sorry, hang on. The other thing I want to add is we will keep your anonymity close to the vest if you don't want to be known.
1: Yeah, for that, sure. That's an
0: easy thing. Of course. Just saying your text, you know, don't say my name, I don't want to be known, whatever. Yeah. For sure, we'll do that. Yeah. Don't think I'm going to drop your name just because you call in. If you don't want that, we're not going to do that.
1: If you love rape spectrums and you are just totally on board with that idea,
0: <laughs> we will keep your name yeah, anonymous. And
1: we will <laughs> totally not judge you or talk about how dumb you are. We'll just read your opinion.
0: That probably won't happen. Yeah. We'll I mean, talk we about will how dumb just you are. read your opinion, but we will judge you. <laughs> We're really encouraging to have a call in. Yeah, we are. <laughs> so, again, 657-464-7609. That is the number to text or to call and leave your voicemail. It's
1: a good conversation.
0: It's a great conversation.
1: Because we- maybe we're wrong. Maybe I'm not seeing something.
0: Th- that's possible. Yeah. But unlikely. So,
1: if someone sees it a different way, seriously, tell no, me how it is. For
0: sure. For sure. Well, so anybody can do a better job of of keeping their head above water relative to to Richard Dawkins right now, because he's not getting it done.
1: Yeah, he's not.
0: So moving on, um, Ebola virus, big news. So I want to kind of explain to the audience, I did say something on the last episode or before that about the liquefaction of your organs. And that's not necessarily what happens. Some of the, some of the, the, the symptoms of Ebola are like the flu, Fever, dizziness, aching joints, that kind of thing. But also, it leads to bleeding, and you start bleeding from your eyes, from your nose, from your from your all your orifices. You start bleeding. So, oh my god, it's, it's total organ failure that eventually is what overtakes you. Wow. So, it, it isn't technically the liquefaction of your body where you're just like Bleh, you melt. Yeah. Like I like the wicked witch, you know. Yeah. Uh, but but it's pretty terrible.
1: Yeah, that's bad So that's not a good sitch.
0: Two Americans have been flown back to Atlanta to Emory University Hospital and they've been given a serum which is has been developed by
1: Map Biopharmaceuticals, a small San Diego-based company established in 2003 and led by Larry Zeitlin, PhD, a Johns Hopkins trained reproductive biologist who became an expert in plant which are antibody therapeutics produced in and purified from bioengineered plants.
0: That's So he's a smart guy is what you're saying.
1: Yeah, and he he probably <laughs> advocates for GMOs.
0: Right, I'm sure. I'm
1: just dropping that in there.
0: <laughs> uh for the record, and as a matter of correction, uh, he does not, most certainly does not advocate against GMOs. Yeah, so he this... was being a jokester.
1: Yeah, so this secret serum- no, no, no,
0: That's what I want to talk about right there. I'm glad you said it. Everyone is calling this a secret serum, a top secret serum I've been hearing on, t- on, on CNN.
1: I just did it too.
0: Yeah, well, it's not a f- there's no fucking secret about this. It's not a secret serum. They're making it sound like oh, it was secret only for a. That's what's leading to this hysteria right now about, well, why do you give it to Americans and uh, why aren't Africans getting it and blah blah blah. It's today. Brooke Baldwin was on with a was on with a bioethicist named Harriet Washington, and well, the conversation went something like this.
3: You know, you bring up a point that I have certainly heard among um, f- some friends of mine just asking this question, you know, who is it to, to decide um, I- at the end of the day who lives, who dies, who gets this drug, if in fact it, you know, manages to to help these these Americans or not? Right. Well, that is the um, obvious question. And certainly no one intends to withhold the drug from Africans. but. For economic and historical reasons, that is precisely what tends to happen. It's not an accident that they so far have not had access to it, which I hope will change as more becomes available. There are economic reasons, a network to which uh, Westerners tend to have access, but not people from developing countries that influences who gets scarce drugs let me flip the script because we could be having harriet a very different discussion if the headline instead were experimental drug only used in monkeys now being tested on west africans i mean i think that there would be outrage that people would be saying they're being used as guinea pigs Well, those people would be wrong because it happens all the time. We have to remember that the way our system of testing drugs is designed, someone, some people are always the first to get a drug. And increasingly those people are people in developing world where now two out of every five clinical trials are being held in the developing world. So it's frequently the case that these people are the first to get a drug that's been tested in animals. And that's perfectly acceptable. We've decided those are acceptable risks. What is important and what is not acceptable sometimes is the way in which the trials are administered and conducted.
0: There's a few things there. First of all, I don't necessarily disagree with what she's saying. That oftentimes the developing countries is where they test this stuff. But for her to act like it's happening the majority of the time and then to go on and say that two out of five tests are being that's not the majority at all. Yeah. But I think Brooke Baldwin made a really good point there that if the if the script was flipped and they just went out there and started dosing up all these these victims of the Ebola virus in West Africa with this untested uh, there would be conspiracy nutters from the rooftops talking about how we're it's population control. There's already idiots Saying things like that. Yeah, on the vaccination fucking whatever retard network on Facebook saying those type of things. So the public public information, the public relations war is a front that we really have to take seriously. Especially when this guy is not running a charity at this San Diego-based small pharmaceutical firm. He's not running a charity. It's a business. So he can't just run out there and 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 have his business be maligned he's got to take care of what he has created which ultimately is going to save hundreds of thousands if not millions of lives
1: well and also it hasn't been approved for human use
0: not in the united states and well i guess nowhere because it's it's, it's
1: it's not yet even in the phase of clinical trials that's
0: exa- it's that's right so, it's not even in phase 1
1: so it's I mean, it's it's kind of a risky thing. To, they're really just grasping at straws here. Let's try this. And so, I mean, I don't even know the legal implications surrounding whether or not he would be able to just give a batch away to another country and say, here, this isn't approved for use in humans. It's not even started clinical yeah. trials yet, but here you go. Have at it. I mean, that doesn't seem like something that would happen.
0: No, and not at all. That's why the uproar and all the consternation relative to, oh, I... A couple of Americans got it. It's, I, I don't see any ill ill will or bad intent related to them getting it at all. I think it's, one, they are hailing this as, they're using the word miracle. Obviously, it's science. There's no fucking miraculous. Yeah, what are they, a bunch, of, a
1: bunch of Dr. Oz freaks over here? <laughs>
0: right. But they are, I mean, they're saying within an hour of him, they they were watching his rash that's another sign of having Ebola they were watching this rash that was covered his entire body go away within an hour of him getting the serum that's great so it it's an amazing thing they need to start mass producing this because we don't want some wild pandemic on our hands
1: Yeah, and the head nurse at Emory University Hospital actually responded to the crazy reactions that that we've been getting from people on social media that are saying, well, why did you bring these people here? You're just going to infect all of America. And she said a couple of good things in her column. Uh She said, those fears are unfounded and reflect a lack of knowledge about Ebola and our ability to safely manage and contain it. Our hospital has a unit created specifically for these types of highly infectious patients, and our staff is thoroughly trained in infection control procedures and protocols. But beyond that, the public alarm overlooks the foundational mission of the U.S. medical system. The purpose of any hospital is to care for the ill and advance knowledge about human health. At Emory, our education, research, dedication, and focus on quality, essentially everything we do, is in preparation to handle these kinds of cases. Further, Americans stand to benefit from what we learn by treating these patients. So, you know, that is a great point. She's saying these people came here. We're going to treat them. We're going to figure this out. And if this comes up again, if other people are infected... Not only will we know how to help them, but we can also tell people in other countries, look, this is what happened here. This is what we did. We solved the problem and we can give that knowledge to
0: other people. That's exactly right, because little do these jackasses know who are railing against bringing these Americans home is viruses don't need a fucking passport to cross the border. And invariably, well, right now there's someone sitting in Mount Sinai Hospital who they think may have Ebola that wasn't brought back because they just got on a plane and they may have been infected. Yeah. People travel between borders and there's no, we don't have a Star Trek type device, like a a scanner that scans the body and tells you what diseases they have. Yeah. So they can come to the country. We need to have these kind of um, procedures in place and the knowledge based on certain diseases Exactly. how to combat them.
1: Yeah. And Ebola is not going to become a threat to the general public because these two people are enclosed in their hospital. That's right. They're taking care of business. They're medical health professionals. They know what they're doing. But this chief nurse, Susan Grant, goes on. To refuse to care for these professionals would raise enormous questions about the ethical foundation of our profession. They have a right to come home for their care, when it can be done effectively and safely. As human beings, we all hope that if we were in need of superior health care, our country and its top doctors would help us to get better. We can either let our actions be guided by misunderstandings, fear and self-interest, or we can lead by knowledge, science and compassion. We can fear or we can care.
0: That's exactly what it is. It's And I'm speaking to those people who didn't want these Americans to come home. If you had Ebola, jackass numbers one through 55, if you had Ebola and you were in West Africa or wherever, wouldn't you want to be brought home and be treated by top notch medical professionals? I think the answer everyone knows is yes, jackasses number one through 55, absolutely. And they would be screaming loudly like the cowardly fucking weasels that they are, bring us home.
1: I know. I would definitely want to. I
0: would too. But I'm also not shitting on these people for being brought home. They're Americans. That should mean something.
1: Yeah. I think also I would like to kind of survey the people that are mad about it and see if they tend to be conspiracy thinking people because I mean what is the argument it just doesn't make sense that these people who came out of the ambulance completely covered <laughs> right are gonna they're not the hospital isn't gonna let them run free around the general public. They're not letting them into the newborn ward and go cough all over everybody. You know, it's
0: well, it's not even it, it's Uh, uh, that it's that too for sure but i look at it even from this perspective if i lived in brazil and i was from brazil and i was a doctor working over in africa trying to help people and i caught a disease and the best hospitals were in sao paulo wouldn't i want to come home be allowed to come home to be treated in my home yeah or England or whatever country. It, yeah. it doesn't matter that it's the United States. Yeah. Because Emory University isn't the greatest hospital in our country. Yeah. Probably by any stretch. But it's where the CDC, the Centers for Disease Control, happens to be. Yeah. So it's not a matter of of an American superiority thing at all. It's, oh, no. It's, it's a matter of it's their fucking home. Bring them home and let them be treated. For sure. Ugh. I just hate people sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I just don't like a lot of people.
1: Well, there was um, another solution offered for Ebola, right? Or not a solution, but there was another cause brought forth of what could be causing Ebola.
2: (laughs) That's right.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so shockingly enough, Christians in Liberia, they believe that God is raining down this plague because of homosexualism
1: yes <laughs> so the ebola pandemic so hang,
0: hang on one more time not homosexuality homosexualism
1: yes homosexualism <laughs> that's correct
0: because it's like a religion
1: yeah it's like more proper sounding yes. if you say it like that
0: well, it's homosexualism yeah see there's the richard dawkins right there yeah why couldn't you do that
1: earlier So the Ebola pandemic, which has killed eight hundred and eighty seven in West Africa, including two hundred and fifty five in Liberia, has terrified people so much that some local leaders discern divine meaning in it. Mm. President Ellen Johnson Sirleaf called on Tuesday for all residents to fast for three days and pray for forgiveness, quote, relying on his divine guidance for survival as a nation, I call on all Liberians to observe three days of national fast and prayer to seek God's face, to have mercy on us and forgive our sins and heal our land, Liberia, as we continue to fight against the deadly Ebola virus. That followed a recent recommendation by the Liberian Council of Churches, which said in a statement last week that the outbreak has biblical implications. Quote, God is angry with Liberia. Ebola is a plague. Liberians have to pray and seek God's forgiveness over the corruption and immoral acts, such as homosexualism, that continue to penetrate our society.
0: Wow. You think they meant to use the word penetrate?
1: (laughs) It's perfect that they did.
0: (laughs) Go ahead. Sorry.
1: (laughs) As Christians, we must repent and seek God's forgiveness.
0: Do you think that they use the same kind of arguments during the plague, during the, bl- the, black, the bubonic plague? Mm-hmm. Of course. Oh, it's God. He, he's judging us. Fucking goddamn. I
1: just wish that there was some development, you know, some rational development in that amount of time. But I don't know.
0: Well, th- here's the difficult thing. Is that they are in the developing world? It's yeah. a third world country, so they are going to be a little bit behind the ticker related to the uh, eviscerating, evisceration is that a word? To the evisceration of religion. So it's a bummer. I mean, fuck, we're having a hard enough time in Georgia, United States of America. I, you know, it's it's going to be a tough time there.
1: Yeah, and apparently uh librarians are deeply distrustful of western medicine, so they they avoid going to the hospital when they don't feel well. Right. So, hopefully this works for them. This prayer
0: and the fasting.
1: They don't want the serum. And the not eating. Yeah. The yeah. woman on Brooke Baldwin show was advocating that they get the serum, but they don't want it because they're good to pray.
0: Yeah, and not eat.
1: Yeah. Fasting Perfect. and prayer
0: is everybody knows is good to go. what's good for for your immune system, just don't eat. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Ugh. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to go from one story about morons to another. An Australian couple and their surrogate to have a baby.
1: Yeah. Some of you might have heard about this story. Thai surrogate mother Padaraman was carrying twins for an Australian couple. Mm-hmm. They had paid her to use the Australian man's sperm um, he fertilized another Thai donor's egg. This woman is from Thailand, right? Because it's illegal in Australia to do surrogacy to pay someone really? as a surrogate. Yeah,
0: that's fucking weird.
1: So they, people from Australia usually go to foreign countries okay. to get their babies. So they went to Thailand. They had another Thai donor um, give eggs, and then they fertilized those eggs with the Australian man's sperm.
0: Okay, so and they paid like seventeen and a half. U.S. seventy and a half thousand dollars.
1: Fourteen nine.
0: Fourteen nine. Okay, fifteen thousand.
1: Yeah. So what happened was one of the babies ended up being Down syndrome,
0: mm-hmm.
1: having Down syndrome, and there's a little dispute over what happened there because.
0: Well, ultimately, what happened is
1: the babies were born. The Australian couple came to get the babies, their twins, to take them back home. Mm-hmm. They saw that one had Down syndrome. And they left that one and took the other twin.
0: Right. Any way you shake this, these people are fucking bad people. Any way you shake it. Yeah. So they've left this woman with a special needs child.
1: Yeah. And she said she's going to care for it. She said she you know, loves it. She will care for it. But it is a bummer because she wasn't expecting this, obviously. She wasn't
0: planning on having a kid.
1: Yeah, she was given money to have a baby for other people to take. And now it's come out that this Australian father has child sex charges.
0: Uh, Goddamn.
1: The couple who cannot be named for legal reasons after coming under heavy criticism for rejecting their son at birth... Uh, is now under more heavy criticism because apparently he was jailed for sexually molesting two girls under the age of 10 when he was in his 20s. And he was also accused in 1997 of another six charges of indecently dealing with a child.
0: And that's not something that you grow out of. Yeah. That, that is, that is a, a, a compulsion that is deeply rooted in your fucking brain that, as of as of yet, cannot be eradicated it can't be treated or or gotten rid of.
1: Yeah. It's really disturbing then that he would go to another country to have children and now he's in the possession of a girl because yeah. he left the boy there and they're in he's in possession of a little girl and I mean I don't know what's going to be done here because it's all it's two different countries it's it's a lot to deal with. Um
0: I, I would hope that as advanced as Australia is, they're very United States esque. Yeah, mean, they're very modern, and I would I would really hope that they're gonna take care of some biz and at least keep a fucking eye on this guy. Yeah, there is controversy surrounding exactly what happened and some of the the arguments. I I said initially that either any way you shake it, these people are bad people. And I do believe that, but I want to talk about some of the things that are controversial relative to them leaving the child.
1: Yeah, the woman who did the surrogacy, and again, commercial surrogacy is illegal in Australia, but altruistic surrogacy is allowed, so it was just illegal because they paid her.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It would be kind of hard to find someone just willing to have a baby for you, right. just for the hell of it.
0: <laughs> that's why I, I was like, that's weird. I I, I do believe that... Some kind of system needs to be worked out to whether you regulate and monitor the surrogacy system, but these people need to be compensated because they're doing a they're doing quote unquote the Lord's work. Yeah, because so- God's not getting it done; he's not having his, the other his wife have a baby. You yeah. gotta step in sometimes when God's, you know, taking a break.
1: Yeah, so the Thai woman that had the baby <laughs> says that the agency they went through to deal with all this told her the parents wanted her to have an abortion once the medical test revealed the boy had Down syndrome, but she refused. But the Australian parents are denying that they knew anything about the Down syndrome. They're mm-hmm. saying that they believed he had a heart condition and that they were told that he wouldn't live, like, a day.
0: So hang on so let's let's take the australian let's take the 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 child rapists word for it um so they find out that the child their his child his dna his offspring has a heart condition and isn't going to live a day
1: but is still alive
0: and yeah it's still alive and what do they do
1: they say peace out Bye.
0: That's exactly <laughs> right. Are you kidding me? Yeah, it's sick. It's...
1: And they say... Um, oh, good day. Yeah.
0: Mate, or whatever.
1: <laughs> I know it's really sad because you think you're told, okay, listen, one baby's okay. The The twin of that baby... Has
0: a terminal congenital heart defect.
1: Yes, and it won't be living a day. And if they're planning to leave that night or something with their baby, just, you know, okay, well, we'll stay the extra day and we'll be with it until it passes. Or, okay, well, we'll take it home and let it, you know, we'll see how long it lasts. Maybe it'll live longer.
0: Expire on our watch because it's our child. Yeah,
1: and, you know, a friend gave this quote, they said, Gammy, the boy with the Down syndrome, was very sick when he was born and the biological parents were told he would not survive and he had a day at best to live and to say goodbye. The biological parents were heartbroken that they couldn't take their boy with them and they never wanted to give him up, but to stay would risk them losing their daughter also because they say that it's currently that Thailand is currently experiencing military unrest and that it was dangerous for them nope. to be there <sighs> and that they couldn't risk staying right, with right. him. Mm-hmm. So...
0: Sounds like bullshit. He just wanted to rush back to Australia so he could get to molest
1: Yeah. I, I hope not. I'm, it's really sad.
0: Well, I'm not making a joke. Fuck that guy. He's a terrible person.
1: No, I know, but it's... Yeah. And I wh- hope that someone intervenes here because it's a bad situation.
0: We will do our best to follow up, but it is definitely, definitely a bad situation. In 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 the spirit of my awesome segues, speaking of a bad situation, uh <laughs> Um, was it CNN or Time that did the story on the, uh, the 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 Catholic living situation of the the upper echelon? CNN. CNN.
1: So we all know how Pope Francis feels about wealth, right? I was surprised to read the CNN article because we've all heard that Pope Francis is against wealth. He's very outspoken about it. And... He said things about it breaks my heart to see priests and nuns driving the latest model cars. He's blasted airport bishops who spend more time jet setting than tending to their flocks. And he's warned against church leaders who bear the, quote, psychology of princes. And in the CNN article, they have a photo of where previous pontiffs have lived at the Vatican. And then they show Pope Francis's room. And it's an insane difference because the furniture in the room in the, where the previous pontiffs lived is like coated in gold or copper or whatever it might be. It's very beautiful. And there's a giant painting on the wall that's probably worth more money than I'll ever see in my lifetime.
0: Absolutely. Yeah.
1: And then Pope Francis's room is completely bare, almost looks like a dorm, except for all the furniture is Really expensive. You can tell it's expensive furniture.
0: Mahogany and Yeah, it's rich beautiful, wood.
1: but it's still just a blank room, tiny bed.
0: Well, it's furniture that's probably been there for years and years. It's not like they can run down the fucking Ikea and grab him, you know, some shitty bunk bed for him to lay in.
1: <laughs> yeah. So this article kind of explores whether or not American archbishops are following Pope Francis's lead. And it's yeah. kind of interesting because do we think that they are?
0: Yeah, really? Uh Hmm, um, I'm going to go with no.
1: A CNN investigation found that at least 10 of the 34 active archbishops in the United States live in buildings worth more than $1 million, according to church and government records. And they don't pay taxes.
0: Yeah, they don't pay taxes. They don't pay property taxes, and they don't pay income taxes.
1: Among the archbishops, Cardinal Timothy Dolan of New York leads the pact with this 15,000 square foot mansion on Madison Avenue and one of the priciest corridors of Manhattan. It was appraised and it's worth at least 30 million dollars.
0: 30 million bucks. Yeah. Nice.
1: And he does share it with three other priests. So, you know,
0: well, you know, four people in a 30 million dollar house, that's they're slumming it.
1: Yeah. He,
0: I got roommates, man. I don't live in a nice place.
1: <laughs> yeah. And then they talked about Chicago's Cardinal Francis George. And he lives in a mansion that has 19 chimneys and sits on 1.7 acres of prime real estate in Chicago's ritzy Gold Coast neighborhood. It's worth $14.3 as is. Yep.
0: God damn. It's like
1: cribs. He has 19 chimneys.
0: Yeah, I know. It's ridiculous. He's
1: like a rapper. Why doesn't MTV Cribs go to all these different um, cardinals houses? Well,
0: and some of these, some of the, some of these, the houses that they live in are church related. Like Timothy Dolan lives in one that is clearly looks gothic. It's, it's gothic architecture right down um, on Madison Avenue. But then when we move on to like Archbishop James Sartain of Seattle, he lives, it's just a house on a street. And it's a three three story house he lives in by himself, and its appraised value is three point eight four million dollars. Yeah. So it's not always a church property in that traditional sense that he's like living in a in a little room above the of above the sanctuary. Yeah. And but Archbishop Leonard Blair of Hartford, Connecticut, he lives in a nine thousand square foot mansion, which is appraised at one point eight five million And it's like a rural, suburban, like an old, awesome brick joint. It's certainly not... I mean, it's probably church property, but it's not church property like near the church or in the church. It's a goddamn awesome brick house.
1: I would want to live in all of these houses.
0: Yeah, and then Archbishop Thomas Wensky of Miami, he lives with his secretary... A priest, who's a priest, so a man, in this six-bedroom, six-bath house with a tiki hut and pool in the back backyard that overlooks Biscayne Bay.
1: Well, he needs to get his tan on at the tiki bar. Yeah,
0: it's a 5,350-square-foot residence, and it's worth more than $1.38 million. Yikes. And these assessments are being taken from, like that was Miami-Dade County Assessors, these are actual government assessments of the values. So they're actually, they're actually probably worth more than that, but because of the real estate bubble, they've gone down in value.
1: So none of them are following Pope Francis's lead?
0: Well, none of them are following Jesus' lead. I guess I mean, that's more important. <laughs> yeah. Jesus, he, he advised his, his, his 12 apostles, they had to give away everything that they, they owned and follow him. You they know, didn't it's, sell everything they owned. They gave away everything they owned and follow him.
1: You know, what's interesting is Reza Aslan mm, just yes. came out and criticized Joel Austin and the prosperity preachers. That
0: might be the first good thing Reza Aslan's ever done.
1: Yeah, and he talked about how they are not living like Jesus would want them to. And no. he came out and he shamed them. So I thought you might appreciate that, even though you don't like him.
0: I don't like him at all, but it it does make me, you know, he he's also he's he's biased because he's a Muslim. Yeah. So he 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 has a dog in the fight to be anti-Christian too. But what he says is absolutely true. And yeah. I didn't mean that for for that to rhyme, but
1: it was really good. though. It just did. Yeah. It was impressive. I'm
0: just kind of a rapper. Yeah. You know? So that that's an interesting story that the the top brass. Of the United States um Catholic Corps.
1: Are living like kings. <laughs> they are
0: living like kings, absolutely. It's a bummer. So, very funny story. And an an unexpected controversy. A dude goes on um a wildlife photography spree trip. He's a he's a he's a professional photographer. And he leaves his gear out, and when he comes back to develop the film or whatever, you know, I don't know if it's digital or not, there is a picture, a clear as day, hilarious picture that a monkey took with his camera. It's a selfie. <laughs> it's fucking hilarious.
1: Yeah, it was a female crested black macaque monkey, and she got a hold of the camera and she took many pictures actually. But she took this selfie of herself, and it's so amazing it's, that it...
0: It's crystal clear focus, and she's grinning with her big, dumb monkey teeth.
1: <laughs> it's its the greatest picture that has ever been taken. Right. It's so beautiful. It almost looks fake.
0: Yeah. No, I know. It looks like maybe he took it, but it's clearly from that upward selfie angle. Yeah. So what's funny about this, and it's, it's super interesting, and actually... You and I disagree on this. There is controversy over... Well, there's a website that posted the picture, and he's suing because...
1: The Wikimedia Foundation.
0: He believes that he has copyright of this picture because they post that he wants credit or of them to pay him. And they say no.
1: They say that since the monkey took the picture, that the picture belongs to the monkey. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Because certain copyright law relative to photographers has has held pretty substantially that it's who clicks the shutter button is who has the copyright, who actually took the picture. So it's not whose camera the picture gets taken with, it's who actually clicks the shutter button. And so since the monkey took this, the monkey would own the copyright, but that obviously isn't the deal. And he claims that because he invested the thousands of dollars in the trip to go over there and do this, he invested in the equipment, that the copyright on this belongs to him.
1: Yeah, he says it's irrelevant who pushed the button. He transported all the equipment to Indonesia in order to capture wildlife photographs at a cost of thousands of dollars. And so he is the creative force behind the photograph. And the Wikimedia Foundation doesn't care and told him (laughs) that they don't agree with him and that they will be keeping the photo up on their website. So he's thinking about suing.
0: I, unless he's going to be able to make substantial money off this deal, I think I'd leave it alone. But I do believe it's his copyright.
1: Yeah, I do too. So that's why I'm confused why you said we disagree. I don't think it belongs to the monkey. Well, I don't
0: think, I don't think anybody believes it belongs to the monkey. I thought you believed that there is no, then there's no copyright. You don't believe that. I for sure believe. Okay, okay, I was wrong. I thought that we disagreed. I definitely believe it's his because he transported that all the equipment and all that shit. That's
1: yeah. So the Wikimedia Foundation is saying that there's no copyright at all because an animal took it, and I just, I just don't agree with that.
0: But hadn't he brought that camera there? That monkey wouldn't have been able to take that selfie.
1: Exactly. Hadn't he
0: left his camera irresponsibly so in the vicinity that an animal could get a hold of his camera, that picture would not have taken place. So he was, if not responsible for that picture, he definitely played a part in its taking. For sure. And it's a hilarious, hilarious picture. It's
1: the greatest thing in the world. (laughs) That monkey is awesome.
0: I might have to change it to my profile picture.
1: I mean, how cool is it that the monkey took the camera and was going around snapping pictures?
0: Well, a lot of them were just of the dirt. You know, he's just bumping the button. I don't think he's...
1: Well, he did it good enough to do this perfect, beautiful <laughs> photo that's the greatest thing I've ever seen.
0: Yeah, it's pretty awesome. So it, it's actually, that is already up on the Facebook page. Yeah, it is. Which, since this is recorded, it doesn't matter that it's already up. You're going to hear it and go there, so.
1: Well, that was good information that you gave everybody. I, I like
0: to give accurate information. Yeah,
1: you're laying it down.
0: And then we are going to wrap it up with the Florida fun.
1: So this is kind of an unfortunate Florida Files story.
0: I was a little hesitant as to whether I wanted it on the show because it it's super sad, but it relates to something we talked about a, a few episodes ago about the woman who was paying the drug addicts to steril- be ser- sterilized.
1: Yeah, a Daytona Beach woman has been arrested on allegations of breastfeeding her infant daughter while smoking crack cocaine. So she's a 37-year-old woman... Bob Ray Williams. I'm not sure how to say her first name.
2: I wouldn't. Don't worry about it.
1: We don't don't need to emphasize that, though. She doesn't need to be widely known, right? (laughs) She was arrested on charges of aggravated child abuse, battery on a law enforcement officer, and cocaine possession, as well as child neglect. And she's the mother of at least seven children. At
0: least seven. They said at
1: least, by the way.
0: so she has seven children that have been taken away, is that right? Yeah,
1: all of them are in state custody. And
0: the eighth, the baby.
1: They just took the baby away as well. So that's eight
0: kids. Yes. God damn.
1: Yeah, and apparently she didn't want to let the baby go. She she was forced to the ground and the baby was safely taken from her and placed into custody, but
0: Oh, so so she was she smoking crack while breastfeeding? Like, at the exact same time?
1: I'm not sure. She's admitted to using drugs while breastfeeding. So I don't know if that means while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know what I mean?
0: Not much different, but it's still.
1: So she resisted officers' attempts to take her one-month-old baby, squeezing the child so hard that the baby couldn't breathe until the officers managed to pry the baby away. So this just seems like a terrible scene, right? And... The reason they were able to, you know, catch her is that someone called in with a tip and said that she had no food, no baby bottles, no clean diapers, and that the baby was looking sweaty, hot and hungry every time they saw it. So they called in a tip, said, you know, you need to go in there and do something. And, you know, luckily they did. But how tragic is it that this woman can continue having babies, has had eight children, is, 8 doesn't have any of them. They're all in state custody. And I mean, she could
0: go out right now as soon as she gets out of jail and go get pregnant again.
1: I know how terrifying is that idea.
0: It, it's a bummer. I mean, look, it creates a lot of issues that need to be discussed and talked about. And it's more issues that are complex and delicate and problematic because they deal with race and they deal with rights and they deal with liberty. So it's, but the conversation needs to be had. It needs to be had. Because this woman needs to be encouraged. I don't know if it's mandated. I don't. I don't know if I can take it that far. But she needs to be encouraged to get snippity snip, tie yeah. tie tie, whatever whatever it is, and take care of that sitch because she doesn't need to be having any more kids.
1: Yeah, and maybe it takes also. I'm assuming she. this isn't the first time she's been arrested. If all seven of her kids have been taken, it's likely she's had other drug offenses. And it disappoints me that there hasn't been an intervention that's worked for her. You know, that someone hasn't come along and said, you obviously have a serious drug problem. Let's get you some help rather than just putting you in jail and arresting you. You know, let's right. let's try to get you into a program. Let's try to work with you because she's also having kids. Obviously, you know, she didn't want to let the baby go. Because she has some internal issues probably going yeah. on where she feels very codependent with her children and wants a baby to make her whole. You know, we've, we've talked about that before on the show. And I just wish that there were something available for these people rather than let's just throw you in jail. You can make bail. You get out back on the street and go do your own thing and I, filter you back through the system repeatedly.
0: I, I think, well, the one, that, I mean, we joke about Florida, but this is not just a Florida issue. This is a uh an endemic issue that permeates every single community in the United States. Yeah. This this is d- drugs are especially addictive, overdosable type of drugs. I don't mean like marijuana, but drugs that Although you
1: Although marijuana is addictive.
0: Well, you can't overdose on marijuana and die.
1: You said addictive and overdose. Okay,
0: well, I'm talking about dr- drugs that are like cocaine and like heroin and like crack drugs that are epidemics in our society. We need to have an honest conversation and not stigmatize with a uh, war on drugs. Just say no, have a real conversation about how to deal with these issues and how we are going to, as a society and as a government pay, have taxpayer money go toward dealing with this woman's issues.
1: Well, and that's the thing. We can talk about what a bad person this woman might be, but her eight kids that were just taken away, she was one of those eight kids, Mm -hmm. guaranteed, when she was a kid. For sure she I mean, I don't know that for sure, but... Well,
0: she was for sure the victim of some kind of abuse... Gu- that's guaranteed. I will go out on a limb and say that.
1: Yeah, I mean, well, we don't know her story, right? But from everything we can see, that's definitely plausible. She
0: did not grow up in an upper middle class family.
1: No, poverty, and <laughs> then also with a family history of drug addiction, possibly seeing it, and I mean, that's what takes you down that path. And so we we should be talking about more interventions to get to kids. And teach them about these things, exactly right, because if she had had an intervention at a young age, maybe she wouldn't have gone down this path, and now there's eight kids out there that are in custody, and I hope that someone's teaching them about you know their mom's history of drug addiction and what they can do to prevent it and not go down the right path. That I mean, would be, go that, down the wrong path.
0: That would be great, but they they have, they share the same genetics as her, and it is very likely that they have early childhood trauma. Because oh, well, obviously this the, baby. Now they're in the system. Yeah. Now now they're they're in the foster system, yeah. which is I'm sure filled with wonderful people who have t- tons of foster kids not to make money from the government, but because they just have a passion for kids. Fuck.
1: Yeah, I've heard foster care horror stories.
0: So have I. Yeah. So terrible. And I hate to leave the show on on such a shitty note. But I guess you can just thank Florida for that.
1: You know what? Maybe we could solve all the world's problems together, though. And people can call in, let us know what they think should happen.
0: We are one show closer to solving the world's problems. (laughs) That is great. Well, it's good. Well, this has been episode 44 of I Doubt It. Listen, if you are a listener to the show and you're a supporter of the show and you ever buy any product ever, you should consider Amazon.com on dollamore.com that's d o l l e m o r e.com there's an amazon search link where you can buy something from amazon and it goes a long way towards supporting the show and rec- recouping our certain costs that we incur month after month after month whether it be replacement of equipment or whether it be hosting or whatever and we would appreciate it very much so if you're looking for a book or a new set of, of rocks glasses for your whiskey habit, your whiskey hobby.
1: <laughs> whiskey hobby. I'm sure a lot of people have those.
0: I have a whiskey hobby. Yeah, you do. <laughs> you can go to Amazon and they can, I'm positive, meet your needs. And if you're going to spend your money anyway, why not help out this show that provides you minutes per week of entertainment? So that's it. Episode 44. We are rapidly approaching 50. We love you and appreciate you for listening. For Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dalamore, and this has been I Doubt It.
2: Holy shit, really? Oh my god, you fucking old lady!